What is up, everybody? It's Anthony Cadenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast and CincyJungle.com. We have a kind of a star-studded week and a giant star joining us, special guest joining us this week on Wednesday's show. Happy to have him. We'll get to him in just a second. But I'm joined, as usual, by my my colleague, John Sheeran, and he's got Randall dressed up to the nines behind behind him there. Uh, John, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Randall's sporting his put the Kens and Ken shirt. And just real quick. Shout out to the Bearcats, man. Oh, yeah. The perfect the perfect week, honestly, from Sunday when the Bengals beat the Steelers to Saturday when the Bengals took care of business in South Bend. I'm riding such an unspeakable high right now. I don't know when I'm going to come down, though. Yeah, you went to it, didn't you? I did. I, we, we, me and our guests saw that history of, of, of firsthand. That was awesome. Oh, nice. Nice. Well, let's let's introduce our guest. If you are a Bengals fan, you have to be following this gentleman because he provides excellent coverage on the Cincinnati Bengals. He also does a little Red Sox stuff we found out before we took the air. It is Mike Petraglia who hosts the Jungle Roar podcast and is part of CLNS Media covering the Bengals. I, I said this before and, and I'm not blowing smoke, Mike. I, I'm very excited to have you on here because I, I you're one of the Twitter accounts I, I monitor very, very closely because you provide great coverage of the Bengals. So how are you? I'm doing great. That is those words mean more to me than I can possibly express. I very much appreciate that. It's uh, just for a little background on myself. Uh, I've covered uh, New England sports for the past 28 years. It was quite a blessing, quite a ride obviously, and being able to cover uh, six Super Bowl titles and uh, four World Series, uh, unbelievable run of success, not to mention the NBA title and the Stanley Cup thrown in there as well. But uh, it was an unbelievable run, spent most of my last 15 years covering the Patriots uh, almost exclusively, almost exclusively, and uh, certainly learned a lot from uh, covering Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And I, and I mean that. I learned a lot about the about NFL and the way it's run today and the way it operates today and that, and I'm really excited to bring that experience here to Cincinnati and bring that perspective to a team that I grew up my first 18 years passionately following. Well, it's great to have you on the show. It's it's uh, overdue and I know it's a busy time for you the, right in the middle of the season, so we are extremely grateful. I guess what I'd like to do Mike if you don't mind and you know maybe my co-host will throw an audible at you but I guess we can start with what happened last week where they're where they're at record wise and everything and then kind of jump into what what things are looking like this week I, I know the Bengals uh you know they were supposed to beat the Jaguars the Jaguars were 0-3 right. now 0-4 it, it smelled of a trap game the Bengals barely got out of there with a win yet even so getting to three and one on the night of the Ring of Honor, it still seems like this was a really important win, primetime win. That's always been an issue for the Bengals. In your mind, in your estimation, and maybe just in reading some of the body language and words from coaching staff, players, how important was this win, even though it was against a down Jaguars team? Pretty huge. And I think, guys, really what you look at is how they executed under pressure in the second half when they really couldn't afford a mistake and their franchise player, how he led them, not only executed, but led them uh, on and off uh, the uh, gridiron. I thought Joe Burrow was sensational. There's a reason he's the AFC Offensive Player of the Week and the FedEx Air uh, Player of the Week as well. Uh, he had to be nearly perfect, and he was uh, in that second half. That's what impressed me the most. Uh, they got big plays 
when they needed them the most. And, you know, you look at, you know, I, I brought up the Patriots earlier. In their run of incredible success, there were so many times where they should have lost a game to a lesser opponent and didn't because they made critical plays down the stretch. Their defense came through with a couple of critical turnovers at the right time. We saw that in the Vikings game for the Bengals in week one in overtime. We saw it again uh, right before halftime against the Jaguars. Logan Wilson and a host of others stop uh, the uh, stop Trevor Lawrence uh, inches shy of the goal line. If that's 21 nothing at the half, I just don't think that's you know going to be 1981 Turk Schoenert coming in and leading the Bengals to a second-half victory over Seattle in the opener. That's not what that was. I thought the whole stadium would have been deflated, and it would have been very difficult for the Bengals to come back. But my point here is that the Bengals are starting to develop that characteristic of coming up with big plays when they need it the most. That's what I took really from that second half and even late in the first half against Jacksonville. And as someone who's grown up with this team, like you've seen this scenario before, specifically in this setting where it's under the lights and the entire country's happening, like the, the Bengals before probably don't win that game, regardless of who's who's at quarterback. Like, what do you think is like just the biggest difference in this Bengals team compared to Bengals teams of the old? Is it just the Joe Burrow factor or is it something a little bit more? I think it is primarily the Joe Burrow factor, the expectation that when I'm calling the signals, this is my team and damn it. We're going to find a way to get it done. And you saw that in NFL films when they mic'd him uh, throughout the game, but certainly you heard him in, in the second half and right before that final drive, We're in control. I'm in control now. Give me the ball. We're going to go score. And that has an incredible domino effect on the players he's leading. And C.J. Uzama made that point after the game. He was like, look, when he speaks – we all listen and we follow and we need that in a quarterback. And I thought it was interesting also today uh, that it was Frank Pollock talking and he played for Joe Montana and he didn't hesitate in comparing some of the leadership skills, the aura, he called it, that he sees in Joe Burrow and saying that he saw the same type of aura in Joe Montana. And that's a Big burden to put on the shoulders of Joe Burrow, but I don't think Frank Pollock would have done that if he didn't think that Joe Burrow could handle it. Mike, I, you know, I struggled because I was in, I was at the game week one uh, when the Bengals let go of that big lead and they ended up hanging on to win. Uh, this week, you know, a game they should win. There was a lot of factors going against them. You know, short week, a lot of injuries, all that kind of stuff. They sure. still get the job done, but. You know, kind of kind of tying in a little bit to what John was asking you a second ago, that there still seems, at least for those of us who have watched this team for a long time, rooted for this team for a long time, covered this team for a long time, that here we go again, right? When things start, don't, aren't going so well. And at times, you saw Bengals teams kind of adopt that mindset as well over the years. This team kind of, at least from the outside looking in, it seems like they've got something a little different now. I, it seems like they're kind of trying to get that mindset out of the way. Do you attribute that to not only just Joe Burrow, but just a lot of young guys, a lot of new new faces in here, and a lot of – it seems like there's a lot of confidence for guys on a team that really hasn't won a, a lot of games under Zach Taylor, but the confidence seems to be there. They transformed the defense, first of all, in the offseason, and I don't think that was 
so many people. How much did we hear in the offseason about how the Bengals failed to address the offensive line? There's still too many question marks going into the into training camp. I was one of them. I'll step up and, and admit that, you know, I for a team that had so many troubles last year uh, with the offensive line and the offensive line was why, you know, Joe Burrow went down with a season ending injury in Washington on November 22nd. For all of that talk, nobody talked about the way the defense was transformed, the uh, importing, the signing of the free agent uh, Larry Ogunjobi has transformed the defensive front. You pair him with DJ Reader. There's an aggressiveness now up front. Trey Hendrickson has turned in, at least in the first four weeks, to be a terrific complement on the flip side, a bookend uh, with... Um, obviously, uh, Sam Hubbard. So you put all of those elements together and you start seeing an attitude in that defense of attacking. And that's what Lou Anarumo has used here in the first quarter of the 2021 season. There's an attack mentality. We dictate the terms. The offense uh, is not in this era of offensive football, isn't going to dictate to us. We're going to try and dictate to them, scare them, show them things that they haven't seen or disguise. Uh, and that's one of the big differences I see with the Bengals. And for as many young players, this is what the sixth or fifth youngest roster in the National Football League, which is great. There are a number of veterans at key positions that I think have helped this team really mature and reach that next level. And I think understand that, hey, what they were in 2020 has nothing to do with what they can be in 2021. There's none of this, well, we have to give it another year or two. Maybe they're not quite ready for prime time. The hell with that. Those guys in that locker room believe we can go from, if you remember the 1980s, you know, both the 49ers and Bengals in 1980 were 6-10. and 10. And the next year, they were both in the Super Bowl. That's what I believe this Bengal team thinks that they have early on this season. Talking with CLNS Media's Mike Petraglia, he also hosts a Bengals podcast, the Jungle Roar podcast, so definitely check that out. Mike, it's not often that we come to contact with someone who covers the Bengals who also used to cover the Patriots, so we got to take advantage of this sure. while we can. It was Greg Cassell, I believe, who was the first analyst to compared Joe Burrow to Tom Brady just in your brief time covering Joe Burrow now in his second season what are the actual similarities that you can see with Tom Brady because you were there at the start of Brady's career before he was like the, the superstar that he is now like what are the similarities just him maybe addressing the media or just handling himself and just in practice and stuff like that measuring everything he says very carefully he loves to make sure that what he is saying is exactly what he's feeling and not say too much. If you if you watch a Joe Burrow press conference, there's there is a lot of early young Tom Brady. He he smiles a lot. He's comfortable in front of the microphone, but he's not going to tell you a lot. And he's starting to learn the art of talking but saying nothing. That is one thing Tom Brady mastered over the years uh, in New England. But on the field, which which is really what fans care about, I, I presume, um, the way he reads the defense, he can read it pre-snap. He can dictate the terms um, of what he's seeing, and he welcomes the pressure. He welcomes that zero blitz that you saw late in the fourth quarter against Jacksonville. Why? Because he knew what he had on the outside. And Joe Burrow wasn't afraid to throw to a tight end instead of a receiver, as the play is usually drawn up in practice. And that ability to 
adjust on the fly. That is something Tom Brady mastered to a T uh, in New England. He's not afraid of the big situation. Everybody remembers the first Super Bowl that Tom Brady won against the Rams in Super Bowl 36. And everybody recalls what John Madden said that the Patriots should be playing for overtime. You can't let, you know, a rookie quarterback or a practically rookie quarterback drive down the field with the Super Bowl on the line and expect him, you know, to get him in position to win the game. Well, he said, screw that. I'm going to throw to J.R. Redmond a couple of times. I'm going to find Troy Brown um, on a, a dig on the left side and get 21 yards. I'm going to run another play, set the ball up in the middle of the field, clock the ball and kick the winning field goal. He was not afraid of that big moment. I feel exactly the same way about Joe Burrow. He was not, even though it's Jacksonville, and I grant you it's the fourth week of the season, not the Super Bowl, but he was not afraid of that big moment. He wasn't uh, afraid of killing the last five and a half minutes of that game on Thursday night. He did it perfectly like Brady did uh, throughout his career, and those are just some of the characteristics I see that I can understand why people see some of Tom Brady uh, in a young Joe Burrow. Mike, I, I'm going to kind of give you a two-prong question here because there was a question in our live chat that also ties into my next one, and it, I think it segues nicely off of what you were just saying before we kind of transition into injuries, Packers outlook, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Stuart Monty here in our live YouTube says, uh, Mike Petragoli, are we missing specific pieces necessary to beat top-tier teams this year? And really the question I had for you in addition to that is here we are, the Bengals are three and one. They beat a Minnesota team that took them to overtime by, by three points. And that Minnesota team, I think is what one and three right now, they beat the Steelers handily, but they don't look anything like their old selves. They're one and three right. and they've beaten a, a, you know, a now Oh, and four Jacksonville team. So kind of tying those two questions in together there, are we looking at contenders or pretenders? And I know this week's going to tell us a lot. It will, but as of right now, kind of gut feeling, are, are we seeing something blossoming into a really special season or are you seeing something, Hey, you know, it's been exciting, but we may still be a year or two away here from something really special. Depth. Uh, my concern with the Bengals above everything else is what kind of quality depth do they have? If two, <clears throat> excuse me, two or three or four starters go down at once. And we saw against Jacksonville, you know, we had no Jesse Bates in there, no uh, Jadobe uh, Awuzie in there, and still they found a way on the back end to improve their defense in the second half and come through with the victory. Brandon Wilson was good enough. Uh, we saw that. We saw that Eli Apple in the first uh, four weeks, he struggled in, in the first game against the Vikings. I don't think there's any question about that. He struggled on some tackling techniques, though Lou Anarumo thought he played pretty well in pass coverage. Um, but Eli Apple's a guy that um, is a serviceable depth option behind either Trey Waynes or Wouzier. I think they have all the pieces at the starters level to compete with anybody in the National Football League. And one reason I, I feel confident in saying that, again, it comes back to Lou Anarumo, who in his third year as defensive coordinator is showing things we did not see in the first two years with the Bengals. He's much more aggressive. He's um, really executing and designing, engineering this uh, defense, if you will, uh, at a graduate level uh, course. You know, he, he talked in training camp about, 
his guy, he, one of the things he was impressed with, with his defensive unity is of the, uh, intelligence of his players to play at a level much beyond the 100 or 200 level courses. He thought his team was capable and his players were able to uh, play at a graduate level. Uh, and that meant a lot to him because he was going to be able to use them in different roles. That is actually a really cool and unique analogy that I've never even really thought about before, but just on that subject with the defense, because that is primarily where the majority of these off-season additions from the last two off-seasons have kind of um, all formulated that. And, and just in your estimation, just through four weeks now, who has been, in your mind, the most impactful new addition on that defensive side of the ball? Well, I, I would have to say it's Larry Ogunjobi. I mean, I think he's been the most disruptive at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's really allowed um, the pass rush to get to the quarterback much more than it did last year. I mean, I think they're three sacks shy of their entire total of 2021 yeah. already. Uh, I think they had 19 or 17, something like that. And I think they have 14 already through four games. They're much more aggressive. So I'd say that addition right there uh, has been big. Uh, he's not new, but Logan Wilson is playing like a new player. I mean, Logan Wilson, if he keeps doing what he's doing, is going to garner attention uh, around the National Football League from pundits as one of the breakthrough linebackers in the National Football League this year. He is playing like a new player, although, you know, he's in his second year. Uh, and I'd say, you know, it is still too early to tell how good Chidobi Awuzie is going to be in that secondary. But um, given the fact that he's an addition, uh, it was critical for them to bring him on board to have the kind of secondary you're going to need to compete against uh, not only Baker Mayfield and uh, obviously uh, Lamar Jackson in uh, Baltimore, but you're going to have Patrick Mahomes later in the year. You're going to have uh, the passing offense of the San Francisco 49ers. You're going to face Justin Herbert. You have a lot of offensive weaponry you're going to have to try and contain and shut down in the second half of the season. And to have a secondary that can cover man-to-man, uh, I think is a big thing uh, in Lou Anarumo's uh, defensive scheme. Man, a lot of lot of defensive additions. DJ Reader, Trey Hendrickson, Larry Ogan, Jimmy. If you look over the last couple of years, they've completely remade that unit into Anna Rumo's image. We're talking with Mike Petraglia uh, with CLNS Media and the Jungle Roar podcast. He's at Trags T R A G S on Twitter. So go follow him if for some reason I'm, I wouldn't know why you wouldn't be following him already. But please go follow him. If Thank you. you. Have <laughs> uh spending a few more minutes if you're okay with that mike let's i let's got all it. the time in the world to talk oh, Bengals. you're the man you're the man i love it uh transitioning to this week Bengals. we talked about it before we took the air it's it looks like the Bengals are getting a little more healthy this week t higgins uh back practicing and jesse bates and ricardo allen now coming on that ir return uh you know are what are we expecting uh, should we be expecting most, if not all, of these players that we did not see, these important players that we did not see last week against Jacksonville suit up this week in a, in a big clash against Green Bay? To me, it starts with Jesse Bates. Uh, had a neck injury, could have played, would have played, had that been you know, a, a season-implicating uh, yeah. game against Jacksonville or a playoff game. Jesse Bates would have played, and Zach Taylor said that last week. This week... All indications are he will definitely be playing. You want the quarterback of your defense, uh, the free safety out there, calling things like Jesse Bates knows how to do. 
Uh, he is a leader. He's going to be on the field, and you want that kind of guy out there when Aaron Rodgers is directing things. Um, obviously, we mentioned him before, but Awuzie coming back, uh, returning from the groin problem, uh, he should be on the field as well. And to, I'm excited about seeing Awuzie and Trey Waynes together uh, in that secondary. I think that combined with Mike Hilton maybe blitzing off the cor- slot corner occasionally and as a cover corner himself uh, in the slot. Uh, I think the, the Bengals have the potential of having a very good secondary. And then I'm not even – I haven't even included Von Bell, who um, at times this year, and we saw it against Jacksonville, comes down into the box and plays as an extra linebacker. So there's a lot of things – uh, that they're going to have to do and execute at a very high level against Aaron Rodgers. One thing I'll tell you guys that I want to see from Lou Anarumo is post-snap disguise, meaning or a delayed blitz, if you will. That's what I want to see this week because you're not going to beat Aaron Rodgers with straight blitzes or showing yeah. something right at snap. You're going to have to wait a second or two, uh, a count or two, and then go. And that's when teams get to Aaron Rodgers. That's when teams get to the best quarterbacks is when quarterbacks think that they step back in the pocket, have two seconds, they're clear, clean, and then you send somebody out of the blue right at them. And even a hurry, even a hurry against Aaron Rodgers can make all the difference in the world. And on the offensive side of the ball, it seems that like Joe Mixon may or may not play in this game. He was reportedly week to week, but Zach Taylor kind of shut down that report in his Monday press conference from your estimation, even if Mixon uh, does play, do you think that this is kind of the week where even if he's like less than hundred percent, he does play like maybe they maybe pass a little bit more on first and second down in order to keep up with his green Bay offense. Depend. It, well, that's a great point because I think they don't want to necessarily get into a shootout. They Zach Taylor from the beginning of this season has placed an emphasis on complementary football. And what that means is let's possess the ball. I mean, last year they lost so many games because their defense got worn out. I mean, they didn't have the players they have this year, but the defense got worn out and the offense couldn't convert on third down and they weren't able to really control the ball and uh, play complementary football. This year, it's a lot different, I think. And we saw that especially in the second half where the Bengals put together uh, drives, I think it was, of 9, 10, and 8 plays, uh, at least 65 yards each. That's good complementary football, especially when the pressure was on. And whether or not Joe Mixon is healthy, if he's not playing, you're going to see more passing. You're going to see more Chris Evans. That's really what I think it means. And I'm excited to see as the season moves along how they plan to deploy Chris Evans because initially it looked like he was just going to be, you know, Geo 2.0. But I think he's, it's a little bit different than that. I think they they plan to use him more as a pure pass receiver uh, in certain situations, spread him five wide. Uh, with an empty backfield, which we saw a lot uh, in the last game against Jacksonville. So there are a lot of different ways they could go if they don't have Joe Mixon. Mike, I I hate to bring kind of negative attention to one single player, but I feel like this is an aspect that could play a critical role in such a tough game like this against Green Bay, and that is Darius Phillips. Uh, I I was excited at the the possibilities with him returning kicks because of the athleticism. You saw the big play capabilities on defense, but the consistency wasn't there, so you're hoping that that would have been brought to the return game. 
and it's been a lot of poor decisions in terms of fair catches on yep. punts that, years that no he question. would have on. Uh, poor decisions bringing it out of the end zone. I, I don't know. Is this just kind of a growing pains thing because this hasn't been really something they've asked him to do early in his career and he's now doing it kind of full-time for the first time? Is this something that the coaches are maybe thinking about potentially mixing someone else into those roles? I, I don't know. Uh, I, I just – I expected more, I guess, and I know it's still early, but I feel like that's maybe a, a, an area that would mean a lot this Sunday. I think it could. If the Bengals got to a stage in the season or in the postseason where a punt return and field position meant all the it meant everything or meant a lot, you'd see Tyler Boyd back there. I'm very convinced of that. Mm. It's what the Patriots did with Julian Edelman. Uh, Bill Belichick was not afraid, to, you know, because there was a lot of criticism. What if Edelman gets hurt? And you heard from Bill, it's football. Football players play football. And you know, I, I would understand that in that particular situation, but understanding that we're talking about week number five, the Bengals want to give Darius Phillips every chance to grow. He's very fast. He's just got to learn the instinct of receiving when to call for a fair catch, uh, when not to take a step forward. The the one punt return, it happened in the second half where Phillips lost 10 yards that could have been a potential killer. If you know the pun I'm talking about, he he saw that there were punt, uh, there were coverage gunners in front of him, uh, and then he spun one way, spun the other, and then he spun himself right into the ground 10 yards behind where he caught the ball. That can't happen. And those are learning moments. I think the sense that I get from Darren Simmons and the coaching staff, and I wanted to ask this question Wednesday, but I didn't get a chance, is, you know, what do they see from Darius Phillips in, in terms of ways he needs to grow? Tyler Boyd, Julian Edelman, both quarterbacks before they went to the NFL, and at least in some true. variation. Yeah. So there you go. So this is going to be the Bengals' third home game of the season. The first two have come down to the literal wire. One was one on the last second of overtime. One was one at the last second of the fourth quarter. Packers entered this game as three-point favorites on the road, which means they should be six-point favorites at home. Is this going to be just another one of those games where it just kind of goes into the end, or is this is this going to be the time where the Bengals actually take care of business early at home? So I don't know if they're going to take care of business early. I think they feel they need to. Uh, Joe Burrow said that on Wednesday, that if we start like we did against Jacksonville, we'll be down 21 nothing before we know what hit us. And they don't want that to happen, obviously. They don't want that to happen ever, obviously. Right. But um, they know that they have to get off to a quicker start. The, the execution has to be better. And Zach Taylor has said this a couple of times in the last couple of days. That first drive against Jacksonville was very good. That's what they want to see coming out of the shoot. It just so happened that you know the offensive pass interference on Jamar really changed the tenor of that first quarter. Uh, the defense couldn't get off the field on the next series for Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville went down and scored, and it really changed the complexion of that game. That they don't want to have happen against uh, Green Bay. Everybody remembers back in 2013, Bengals jump out to the lead. Green Bay goes up 30-14, to 14, and then Andy Dalton has one of his best games, I thought, as a Bengal. That and the Seattle comeback oh, yeah. uh, at Paul Brown Stadium. Uh, but you know, and they, the Bengals won that game. The turnover uh, also was a big factor in that game. But the Bengals won at 34-30. They can't do that again. They cannot. Even as good as Joe Burrow is, uh, this Green Bay defense is uh, ranked, I believe, ninth overall and seventh against the run. 
So they've got to be very, they got to pick their spots, uh, get off to a solid start, not turn the ball over. Um, and they're going to have their home crowd behind them. Yes, there will be a lot of cheeseheads at PBS on Sunday. There's no question about that. Um, but I don't think it will be anything the Bengals haven't seen before. They obviously have seen that with the Steeler fans who come to Cincinnati, with the Browns fans. So uh, the Packer fans being in attendance at Paul Brown Stadium shouldn't change that dynamic too much. I expect the Bengals to take advantage of a beaten up uh, Green Bay defense and win this game by seven points. Wow. I was just going to ask you where you were going to go with the, with the prediction. So, wow. I like I like hearing that I, before we get you out of here, key, biggest keys for the Bengals in, in this one to get to that potential win that you just uh, predicted for us here. What, I don't know. Is it a, is it more special teams, great kicks from, from Evan McPherson and, and that side of the ball? Is it uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? Okay. Number one thing for me, is being better on third and long defense. Get off the field. I mean, third and two, uh, if Aaron Jones runs for three, or if A.J. Dillon, by the way, keep an eye on A.J. Dillon. I covered him at Boston College, one of the best downhill runners in the NFL, period. And if you watch that game against Pittsburgh on Sunday, you can see why. Um, Watch out for A.J. Dillon on third and short. But in the third and fives, third and eight, nine, they got to get off the field. They have not been good. They're ranked 20th in the National Football League in that uh, category. I think they're converting defensively at only like 40%, 40.3%, something like that. And that's got to be better. And one part of this defense where you would think they would be good as the seventh overall rated defense in the NFL would be third down. They haven't been. So that's got to improve against uh, Aaron Rodgers on Sunday. Uh, conversely, they've got to be able to convert third downs against Green Bay and keep uh, keep ahead of the chains. Don't take sacks. Don't turn the ball over. Um, but I think the Bengals have as many weapons as anybody to keep up with uh, Aaron Rodgers. And that's a good sign. That's why I like him at home. Yeah. And, you know, the, gosh, the, the third down and long thing, if you go back to that Steelers game, they had so many situations where the Steelers yep. were, were just third and forever, and somehow they got out of it, whether it's, it was a penalty or what have you. So that game could have been even worse than a 14-point win uh, for the for the Bengals there, or I guess even better, if depending on how you're looking at it, <laughs> which side of the fence you're looking at. It. Mike, thank you so much for your time. Once again, can you tell our listeners uh, where they can find your stuff, follow you, and and all that good stuff? Trags on Twitter, T-R-A-G-S-C-L-N-S-Media.com on the internet. uh, And also on Twitter, uh, just started this week, the Jungle Roar Pod has its own Twitter page. I'm so proud of that. I was able to uh, manage to link that to my basic uh, Trags Twitter page. But the Jungle Roar, at Jungle Roar Pod, all one word. Well, excellent. We, uh, we, we, Definitely thank you for coming on and keep up the, the great, great work. We've been, like I said, we monitor everything you put out pretty closely and uh, we're, we're stoked we were able to make this happen. And you came on very quickly after the invitation. So uh, I hope we can make it a, re- a somewhat regular thing, depending on your schedule. We'd love to have you back. Sure. And it's uh, I met what I said at the top. Uh, it's a thrill and an honor to be uh, representing Houday Nation and covering uh, the Stripes uh, for such a very loyal and deserving fan base. That's not just blowing smoke. It's uh, from the heart. Well, appreciate it. And like I, like I said, you're doing a killer job. So uh, keep up the awesome work. You got it. All right. Thanks for the time, Mike.
You bet. Mike Petraglia of uh, CLNS Media and the Jungle Roar Pod. Go follow him. Awesome stuff from him, John. Uh, really, really enjoyed that interview. We've we've had ESPN's Ben Baby on, and uh, my now we've had Mike on here. We've had Lindsey Patterson on, and they are just a great, great group of people, not only at their jobs, but just uh, really kind and, and awesome with their time with us. Yeah, man. Um, it, this past summer when I was down for mock turtle soup, Mike uh, sat, at, sat at the table that I was sitting at with uh, Wayne Box Miller as well. So we had a great conversation back then. And the dude knows his stuff, but that's expected when you cover the Patriots for the entire Belichick and Brady regime. You kind of know a thing or two from uh, following those guys. Man, can you imagine trying to interview Bill? I mean, that that job is not... Inter- I'm sure it's easier Bill after Bell- 20 years, yeah, you know? I guess. Oh, man, peppering Bill Belichick with questions. That's got to that's gotta stink. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Well, we've got another special guest coming right down the pike. Just want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to the Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel right below. I believe it's John's, by, by his microphone there, you can click that to subscribe, hit the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. And of course, our show, Orange is the New Black from Ace and Zim and Matt Minnick's shows are all on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel where you can get it on every major podcast streamer. So please subscribe, leave us a review and uh, we appreciate all of the support. Well, John, we've got another special guest and every episode we like to talk about our partnership with Symbol and we try and not, you know, mess up the information and, and we try and give good information out about the product to our listeners. But we've got someone joining us now who will ensure that we get the right messaging and every piece of information on Symbol and a little bit of Packers talk, I think, if he's got time. We've kept him waiting long enough. Kenneth Giles of Symbol. Sorry to keep you waiting, Kenneth. Uh, appreciate you making time for us. How you been, man? No problem. I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, excited to talk a little symbol and a little bit of Packers football. I had to represent. Uh, ah, there you uh, go. Yeah, yeah, a little yeah. Bit. There you go. Well, there's a new, before we get to some Packers stuff, uh, first of all, thanks for the time. Great to see you again. I think when we last spoke, it was when the partnership first formed, and that was back in the spring. I, I got to ask you an Aaron Rodgers question a little bit later, but before we do, we've been uh, promoting 
everything going on with Symbol. There, there are some new things going on and some new pieces of information for our listeners. I'm going to share my screen in just a second. But if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit more about what's going on and what's new with Symbol. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we've had an exciting offseason. So we launched, I think, right after the draft or really close to the draft. Um, so we've had a lot going on. We launched college football at the end of the summer. So we added our fourth sport to the market. And tomorrow we're actually launching NHL. So any NHL fans in the audience, that'll be our nice. fifth sport on symbol. So we're super excited about that. Uh, but the reason I wanted to hop on is to talk about our new promo that we're offering uh, Orange and Black Insider listeners. This is actually the first time we are launching it uh, with your guys' network. So we're super excited about it. It's going to be the same promo code, promo code OBI. I already saw it in the comments, promo code OBI. Uh, but we're doing a risk-free deposit. So for your listeners that either haven't joined the market yet or maybe are a little bit hesitant, want to figure out how it works, unsure about how they'll perform, we are offering a $100 risk-free deposit for 90 days. So you come into the market, use promo code OBI, whatever deposit you make will be risk-free, meaning at any point in the first 90 days, if you are down money, don't like the market, not for you, you'll be able to withdraw your initial deposit, no questions Mm -hmm. asked. So you start with $100, for whatever reason, you buy a team, they go down, you only have $80. Now we will refund your entire $100. Uh, no questions asked. So we're super excited about offering this to people that want to give Symbol a shot risk free, uh, just to see if it's uh, something that they're good at or enjoy. There's only one thing more exciting about throwing a Benjamin out into the crowd instead of knowing that you can get it back. So this is, <laughs> this is pretty good news to me. Yeah, we're pumped about this. So that's one of the things, you know, we've been offering, you know, $10 deposit bonus here. You know, we, we offered some free subscription stuff here. Uh, but one of the biggest feedbacks we've got is, hey, this is a new concept. I want to be able to try it out, right? I don't know what it is. I don't know how it works. So that's where we came up with the, ri- the risk-free deposit from is, hey, let's look, we're so confident in our product that you'll enjoy it, that you'll make money, that we're willing to put our money where our mouth is, try it risk-free, and we'll see what happens. Well, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback from folks that that have invested in uh, in a number of teams. I think it's mostly been the Bengals that I would assume from our list listenership here. I, I am a bad host. I did not do my homework before I took the air. What is the Bengals current current rate at? I know. I think when we first partnered, it's it was like at twenty or twenty five bucks a share, and now I think it's at least doubled, um, and at times have tripled, especially now that they're three and one and they had the exciting draft class. Can you tell us what they're at now? Uh, because I think some people made some money on this thing. Yeah, for sure. So I think when we did start, they're around twenty five or thirty dollars. Uh, so right now, Sim Bengals, uh, $54.88. Uh, to put that into context, that is seventh on the entire symbol market. Wow. Um, so I think because of your listeners, actually, a lot of the offseason, they were either one, two, three, or four. Um, now that NFL is picking back up, we're beginning, we're becoming a more efficient market. More people are in the market. Uh, they have dropped to seventh, but they're up there with teams that, that make a lot of sense to me. Uh, they're a dollar above the Chargers, which makes sense to young quarterbacks. Drafted first, first overall, sixth overall in their class. So that makes sense. They're around the Cowboys-Cardinals uh, share price. So they're in some, they're in some really good territory, and people are responding to the 3-1 uh, the and one record. And even more importantly in the symbol market, it looks like Joe Burrow's the guy, right? And, and if you're looking at investing in a stock or investing in a share price, what you're looking for is consistency at the quarterback position mm-hmm. over the next one, three, five, ten 10 years. And Joe Burrow being, what, 24 years old, looking like, Hey, he's going to be a good quarterback for a long time. That gives a lot of confidence to a share price. 
Hey man, my, my Bearcats just had the biggest uh, game week of their life, and they're still not on the on the college football market. What when, when, when are some group of five teams going to get some love, or do we have to wait until they're in the Big Twelve? <laughs> We're uh, actually that's a good point. I I uh, we haven't had a team meeting about them joining the Big Twelve yet. When they join the Big Twelve, they'll be for sure in the college football market. Uh, we will be adding more college teams uh, as we go. Not this year, but but next offseason we should add some group of five. I know there's a lot of hype around BYU, Cincinnati. Uh, Coastal Carolina, so we'll we'll be getting some more college football teams here soon. Well, we've we've loved this partnership and uh, love to see the the growth that your company has made. It's been awesome. So uh, we we love working with you guys and appreciate your time, Kenneth. Uh, I guess we gotta before we we get you on out of here in just a little bit. I want to ask you about your Packers here. Um, you know, big game this week, and it's super appropriate on a number of different levels that you're joining us on the program. So. I, first of all, I, I, like I said earlier, I, I guess I got to ask you about the whole A-Rod thing. Um, that was just a weird saga from whenever that was around draft time to all the way up until close to the season. He seems like he's just kind of put it behind him in some way because they are now three and one pretty yeah. awful start to the season. But I don't know. What do you make of that whole deal? It was uh it's one, it's one of those things, right? I, I always say, or I have this theory, and a lot of people do that, like draft night's the best night for an NFL fan. Right. Record zero and zero. You have the most. Yeah. Right. Everyone's got to pick. You're you're excited about your team. Anything can happen. And then four hours before the draft, the Packers fan base, their world shattered. Right. You're you're (laughs) the most optimistic. You're like, we're one or two pieces away from the Super Bowl. We made back to back NFC championships. You know, we're one play away from beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to go to the Super Bowl. And now all of a sudden your MVP quarterback doesn't want to play for you anymore. Right. (laughs) So that isn't the most fun experience. With that being said, I think pack the Packers fan base, at least in my lifetime, has probably been the most spoiled fan base in the world, right? Back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks, right? So if from my perspective, one out of every 17, 18 years we'll have a quarterback controversy, and I think we'll be fine with that. Uh, but it, it does look like he's put that behind us, or be, be, you know, behind him for at least for now at least. Um, the last three games are averaging the fifth most points in the NFL. They're at right around 31 points per game. Uh, I think you can pretty much throw the Saints game out the window. It looks like that was just an anomaly. Uh, Roger said they needed a kick in the pants, and it looks like they got that. Uh, they Coming off a 10-point win to the Steelers, uh, obviously the thrilling win over the 49ers on Monday. Rodgers is playing really good football. Um, and I honestly think they haven't put together a complete game yet. So they're averaging 30 points per game. And, and if, you know, if you had a chance to watch the game last week against the Steelers, Rodgers missed two wide-open touchdowns that could have put them at you know, 41 points. Uh, so I, I, I think they're still figuring some stuff out on offense, but uh, it should be a fun matchup with a three and one Bengals team this week. Yeah. And one of the great features on symbols that you can look at a one year graph, a three month graph, a one month graph or a one week graph of how the prices are kind of fluctuating. And I'm looking at it from April 29th to April 30th on the Sim Packers. It went from thirty nine dollars to thirty three dollars for maybe some Aaron Rodgers type reason. But now I guess they're up to fifty one dollars as of October 5th. But right, yeah, like I think you said it pretty perfectly. Like this offense now has Devontae Adams back or at full strength. They have Randall Cobb back in the picture per Rogers' request. It seems like it's just like Rogers is just playing at his usual self right now. And that's even with a bunch of question marks on the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, I think the offensive line has probably been the biggest surprise of this team. They are missing two all pro players on the left side of their offensive line, right? They're missing the highest paid left tackle. And Elton Jenkins was an all pro guard before he moved over to become a Pro Bowl tackle. Uh, so they're missing their two best offensive linemen, but that's held up really well. And part of that, too, is the way they're structuring their offense this year. Last year, the Packers offense, a lot of play action, a lot of deep shots. They were they led the NFL 
in, uh, in, in home run plays. This year, or against the Steelers last week, Rodgers had the quickest time to throw from the snap at like 2.1, 2.4 seconds. So they understand that their offensive line isn't where it's going to be in a few weeks. So they're doing a lot of quick hitting stuff. They're doing a lot of shotgun more than they did last year. Uh, so that's a kind of an interesting change that they made from a year ago to kind of structure around the offensive line. Uh, and then just to touch on, you know, going back to the Rodgers thing, talk about how the symbol market works. Uh, when the well, the night that Rodgers says, hey, I don't want to play for the Packers anymore, Sim Packers share price dropped like 15% that night. And you're right, John, it has recovered after their three and one start. Uh, but that is kind of the downside of the market too is, hey, if you pick a team and, and something like that happens, it, it might not go well. Talking with Kenneth Giles, the uh, CEO of, of Symbol, joining us, talking about some new developments in our partnership with them. So go to symbol.app backslash OBI and use the promo code OBI. That's in the live chats there. Before we get into maybe just your thoughts about this particular game, maybe a prediction from you, et cetera, I guess, what are your thoughts on Jordan Love? Um, I mean, I think, you know, I know... Rodgers is still playing well. He's still one of the top, if not the top quarterback in the league right now. The team's three and one, and that's just a discussion that's just going to have to wait. But, I mean, it, it came to a point where it seemed that this team was maybe going to need to play him because Aaron Rodgers was – it was just not known if he was going to come back to Green Bay. So, I've heard mixed opinions on him. I don't know you, – you being a, a bit closer to the Green Bay Packers and following them, what are, what's your take on Jordan Love thus far? So the correct answer is no one really knows, right? Like we've seen him play a couple preseason games where not one starter played for the Green Bay Packers and they put Jordan Love in there. Well, that's going to be tough to perform well when you're playing, you know, a first team defense and you have a bunch of backups behind you. So the, the right answer is no one knows. Like you saying, you know, the rumors coming out of practice, one day it looks like he's got the best arm talent. He's the next Mahomes. He's control of the offense. And then the very next day, he throws four picks, looks like he's lost out there. So that's young quarterback stuff, right? You know, you're going to make mistakes, and that's part of the growing experience. So the answer is nobody knows. With that being said, he does have all the talent in the world. He's got a big arm. He can move. He's kind of the new age quarterback where he's not a runner, but he's, a, he's mobile enough to do the RPO stuff. Um, so I'm optimistic about it. I'm an optimistic Packer fan. Like, hey, you see him make a throw down the sideline when um, – uh, uh, they put him in the Saints game when they were down, you know, 38 to three, you see him roll out and throw deep out to the corner over a defender. It's like, okay, he does have the talent to do it. It's the question is, can he do it consistently uh, moving forward? Now, the interesting part will be what's going to happen after this year. I, I think most people assume that Rogers has, you know, written off the Packers that both teams negotiated an out after this year. Uh, so that's what everyone's kind of assuming is going to happen that Rogers is gone. Well, what happens if, if this team makes another NFC championship or what happens if they make the Super Bowl? Rodgers is a little bit more happy. They extend Adams. Then what happens? And I think the answer is, I don't think it's, uh, maybe this is me being a Packers fan, but I don't think it's a, a written off conclusion that Rodgers is gone after this year, right? If he gets more say in the GM position, right? What if the Packers conceded to him and say, hey, yep, we're going to take your input on player personnel. Then he's going to have the most control out of any quarterback in the NFL. And what better situation is that? So uh, I think it'll be an interesting develop this offseason. Uh, but instead of looking at that, I'm hoping for a Super Bowl this year and we don't even have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I think I speak for a lot of Bengals fans when I say that it's definitely preferable if Rodgers stays with Green Bay instead of going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But that's a whole nother thing. Uh, before we get to your prediction on this game, let's give uh, our listeners a little bit of some maybe inside information or just at least from your perspective, 
in this entire sim NFL market, aside from the Bengals at 54.88, who is the one team with that at their current share price that you would be the most interested in investing long term? So this hurts for me to say as a Packers fan, but being an objective, you know, owner of symbol knows a lot about the market. Uh, I would seriously consider looking at the, the sim bears. Uh, Justin Fields had one of the best college careers you can have, right? One of the best seasons. He was the most accurate quarterback coming out of Ohio state. Uh, looked absolutely terrible. Matt Nagy looks like didn't help him. Matt Nagy gives up play calls. He looks a lot better. The key to success in the symbol market, one of the keys to success, right? There's a lot of different strategies. You know, one of which is looking for win payouts. So you're buying teams that you find value to find win payouts. Another is the share price appreciation, buy low and sell high. And what we've seen in the market so far uh, for a little over a year running it is teams that have young quarterbacks that prove that they can play in this league, they immediately see their share, pr- share price rise. We saw it with the, the Sim Bengals last year. We, we saw it with the Sim Chargers. Uh, so I would look at the Sim Bears being at their $42 a share. They're 25th, it looks like 25th in the NFL ranking as far as share price. If Justin Fields turns out that he's the guy moving forward, I could see them going from 25th to 15th or 25th to 12th uh, in the next couple weeks, depending on how he plays the rest of the year. So uh, that's a share price that I would look for if I was uh, able to participate in the market, just because of the upside of the quarterback position, right? Uh, The Patriots, there's not as much excitement about Mac Jones. He can be very good, right? But there's not as much like, hey, top level ceiling that Justin Fields is a game changer, right? Zach Wilson's showing that he's struggled. So, you know, Trevor Lawrence has struggled mightily. So if you're looking at a, a rookie quarterback that to invest in, I would probably look at Justin Fields. So before we get your prediction, we're going to let you talk about briefly again, the the new developments with the partnership we have going with, with symbol because, and I want to do that first because I get the feeling I know where your prediction's going to go and I don't want the <laughs> listeners to get soured it's, on it. You know, it's, it's a little um, different. It's a little different than Mike's. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> Well, let's uh, just reiterate, if you could, for us again, some of the some of the new developments in the partnership with Symbol. If our listeners go to symbol.app backslash OBI and deposit $100. Yeah, absolutely. So brand new promo code for all the OBI listeners, uh, www.symbol.app backslash OBI, or just enter the promo code OBI when you make a deposit. It's a $100 risk-free deposit. So in the first 90 days, if you don't like Symbol, if you lose money, just not for you, you can place a withdrawal request and you will get your initial deposit back. No questions asked, even if you're down money. So it's $100, up to $100 risk-free. It can be less than $100. It can be 25 50 75 whatever you want. Uh, but it is completely risk-free. So this is a great chance. Test the market. Learn how it works. Buy a team. Buy a share of the Sim Bengals. Uh, earn a few win payouts if you think they're going to win this Sunday. Uh, and just see how you do in the market, right? So if, if this is something that you're interested in, uh, this is a perfect time to invest uh, because of that risk-free promo code. So again, that's promo code OBI. You guys, you know, push it all the time. So everyone knows that already. Uh, but something we're super excited about. So, so go ahead and give it a try. Uh, and then if you're looking for more information about the symbol market, you can visit us, visit us at Symbol Exchange on Twitter. Uh, you can find some information there. Our DMs are open. So if you have any follow-up questions uh, after hearing me speak, uh, feel free to shoot us a DM there. We'll get you, uh, uh, we'll respond to you right away. Uh, but again, promo code OBI, great chance to test the market risk-free. All right, Kenneth, just hit us with it. What do you think is going to happen? So I think the Packers offense has gotten better and better each week, and I don't see them slowing down. So I think the Packers are going to put up 35-38, which, you know, the Bengals defense has been, been, I think, impressive this year. I mean, above expectations probably. Um, So I'm going to say Packers 
35, Bengals 31. Mm. Uh, Packers cover the spread minus three and a half, but the Packers get exposed in the secondary. Jaira Alexander is not going to play. Kevin King still in concussion protocol. So it looks like it's going to be Eric Stokes' job on Jamar Chase. Uh, so he'll get a welcome to the NFL moment. That should be exciting. They actually faced each other in the SEC last year, or uh, two years ago. Um, so that should be a pretty exciting matchup. But I think the Packers' defense will struggle against Joe Burrow. It's just, I think it's going to turn into a track meet, and I think uh, Rodgers will get it done. Well, we wanted to get your prediction, but maybe some of our listeners want to put in the earplugs for that last part uh, right right after the I, I'm glad we did the before. promo code OBI before yeah. that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Kenneth, uh, thanks for jumping on, man. Sorry we we were a little late getting you on here. We, we've got, a, you know, two great guests tonight, you being one of them, of course. So thanks for coming on and, of course, informing us about what's going on at Symbol and for our listeners and giving us a little bit of insight on, on your Packers there, bud. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, this has been such a great partnership going on six months, and we're excited to continue it uh, into the fall and, and next offseason. So uh, excited to be on the show again. I appreciate you guys having me and uh, appreciate all the work that you guys have done and, and your audience has done for the symbol market because it has been extremely helpful getting us off the ground. Uh, we've grown significantly in the last six months, and, and, and you guys uh, earn a lot of that credit just you know the way you guys are promoting and the way your audience is, is uh, uh, you know, you know, interacting with us. So we do appreciate it. Well, appreciate your support of our of our show and what we do too, man. So uh, take care, enjoy the game this Sunday, and hopefully, hopefully you enjoy it. But you won't be enjoying it for a particular reason. But uh, hopefully, it's an enjoyable game nonetheless. <laughs> All right, guys. Good luck to you guys this weekend. Go Pat. All right, take it easy. Thanks, Ken. Uh, good guy. Wow, back to back, John. Back to back. Just fun guess. That was awesome. Uh, and very diametric opposite predictions as i as i kind of guessed would happen but uh i don't know great guy uh when was the last time he was on i think it was gosh march april yeah it was like march uh end of march early april around that time yeah great guy if anyone if anyone's mad at ken like take your anger to the symbol market and put your money where your mouth is you know (laughs) go prove him wrong that way that's exactly way to do it that's the best way to do it well let's give our we've got a few minutes left let's give our two cents and update folks on some things john with the with the packers game here man it's I'm, i'm jazzed we've had two awesome interviews here and uh can't can't thank either of them enough for for their time both mike petraglia and Kenneth Giles here. Let's kind of just update. I guess this is where we can start, John. Update on some uh, injury news. We talked a little bit about it. Here is a little bit that we mentioned earlier. This is an article on CincyJungle.com. Ricardo Allen gets the IR return designation by the Bengals. And and the understanding there is, John, that he can't, the the team has, you know, a, a number of days in which they can bring him back to the active roster. And even though he's practicing with the team, he does not count against the roster count yet. So I don't know. What do you, what are you thinking about him? How soon do you see him coming back here? Yeah. So he was placed on IR designated to return uh, right after uh, the like final cuts were made and whatnot. So he has a 21 day period, which he can practice with the team without counting against the roster. But you have to think that uh, with Jesse Bates uh, still coming back from that neck injury, they only have three safeties on the active roster right now. You have to think that also with them, I think um, bringing in a new safety and, and um, re- releasing Sean Davis from the practice mm-hmm. squad, that Allen's probably going to get elevated as soon as this week. Um, I think Zach Taylor said that this was like the final stage of him coming back. So there is technically no rush, but also like there's no one, like there are definitely avenues to get him on the roster without making the roster worse. He was in 
the defense for like 21 snaps against the Vikings in week one. So you have to think that there is a role for him to play against one of the best passing offenses in the game. So expect Allen to make his Bengals debut this week. I would, I would assume so as well. That was kind of my thinking. And he had a good PFF score in that, in that first week. I think he was one of the tops, if not the top rated uh, guy there on, on their defense. So, and then just all of a sudden after that game, it's like, Oh, he's got a leg injury and a hand injury and he's going to be out for a while. It's like, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So let's share the, this is on Cincy Jungle as well, the injury report. Some good news for the Bengals, as we shared earlier with Mike Petraglia. I, I'm of the mindset that I think most, if not all of the players that we, the important players we did not see on Thursday night, I think the short week played a major role in that. As Mike said, you know, Jesse Bates probably could have gone, but seeing as how this wasn't a do or die type of situation against the Jaguars, they said, heal that. Up And of course, you never want to mess with any kind of head or neck injuries anyway. But John, on Wednesday, T. Higgins and Jesse Bates return to practice. And this is a an article you put up on Cincy Jungle. Yes. So there's there were four opening day starters that missed the Jaguars game and three of them did practice on Wednesday. The only one who did not was Xavier Suofilo. But Zach Taylor has already said that Jackson Carmen will start at right guard for the third straight game. So the good news on that front, even though Awuzie and Higgins were technically limited, there is still obviously uh, optimism that both of those guys will make their returns. That's going to be huge because the Bengals offense is better with T. Higgins out there instead of the platoon of Auden Tate, Trenton Irwin, and Mike Thomas. And, you know, Brandon Wilson did, did his job against the Jaguars, but again, against Aaron Rodgers, you want all hands on deck on, on your defense, especially in the secondary. Also, Trey... Hopkins mispractice with um, is listed with the the knee injury that uh, the torn ACL from last season, but it was a scheduled veterans rest day. So nothing to be concerned with that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's great to see Wuzier back in a limited basis, Higgins back in a limited basis, Ogan Joby back after he had an injury last week. And then of course, Bates getting full practice in there. You know, you got to like all that. But the big one that sticks out for the Bengals is Joe Mixon. And uh, we'll talk in just a second. But after we get to the Green Bay side of things, um, we'll talk about the impact potentially of him, uh, you know, missing this game here. So here here are the the Packers and their um, their injury report there. You see the big the big ones here seem to be at the cornerback position. Kevin King was limited. He had been in concussion protocol there. So seeing as how he is limited, that may be a good sign for them. Jair Alexander, he may be looking at missing some time um, for them. Did not practice with a shoulder injury. He suffered last week against the Steelers. Yeah, so head coach for the Packers, uh, Matt LaFleur, said that regardless of what they do with Alexander in terms of him having surgery on that shoulder or whatever path that it take, he is most likely out for this week, which is obviously huge. And as well as Kevin King uh, coming back from concussion protocol. Also on offensive line, uh, Kenneth mentioned that Elgin Jenkins is still out with an ankle injury. He suffered that, I believe, on Monday Night Football back in week two. And mind you, he was playing left tackle for David Bakhtiari, who is currently still on the pup list, and he will miss this game too. So the Packers are on their third left tackle. I don't even know his name. I think his name is like Yash, something like that. And so they have a very inexperienced left tackle. Their left guard is playing pretty well. John Rhinum, I believe is his name. But Josh Myers, the rookie center at Ohio State, he mispracticed on Wednesday too. And he's playing next to a not so very good right guard. So 
Unfortunately, a once really good offensive line in front of Aaron Rodgers is really banged up and really inexperienced. And maybe it won't, it hasn't been that much of a factor because aside from the Steelers, they haven't played that many good pass rushes. But this is another opportunity for this new look Bengals pass rush to kind of eat and carry this defense. But hopefully they won't have to carry it too much because for the first time this season, hopefully you have all five projected starters in in the defensive backfield with Awuzie playing with Trey Waynes for the first time, Jesse Bates get, getting back out there at safety with Mike Hill, Hilton in the slot and Von Bell at strong safety. Well, I, I want to go back to the Mixon situation and he is, you know, it, it looks like he may not be suiting up this week. It's a, you know, Schefter reported that it was week to week. Zach Taylor kind of, said that's you know I, I never said that or that sort of something to that effect he kind of just mm-hmm. squashed that a little bit but if Mixon can't go what what do you think the Bengals plan of because they, they've been really still balanced on offense um obviously Burrow had to throw a little bit more this last week as opposed to to Mixon running the ball but they've really tried to get that balance get a run game going and for the most part they've had at least a steady run game going. If he can't go, what's the plan of attack here? I mean, what is it heavy dose of P Ryan and, and Evans? Is it just, Hey, we're going to maybe do a little bit more short controlled passing with Joe Burrow. What would you do? And what do you think the Bengals do if Mixon can't go? I understand what uh, Trags was saying earlier about the desire to be balanced and to be complimentary. But at the same time, you're inspiring no confidence if you roll out Samaji Piran wide zone runs on second and eight like you like you have been doing with Joe Mixon. <laughs> this team has just been ultra conservative on early downs, and that was primarily the reason why they had zero points against a bad Jacksonville Jaguars defense at home for the first two quarters. I look at the Packers defense, specifically without Jair Alexander, another very exploitable defense. I understand that. They, they want to, you know, still limit the amount of pure, true dropbacks that Joe Burrow takes. And that may be important because they have really good pass rushers in Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark, who I guess isn't playing at his level this year, but he's still a really talented guy who can win one-on-one matchups. The Packers defense, specifically the secondary, is exploitable. You're playing without your star running back. It's time to unleash these things. It's time to unleash these concepts earlier in the game so you're not in a situation where you're down 7 nothing, 10 nothing against Aaron Rodgers because if that happens pretty much a death sentence regardless if you're home or away I, they can't fall down uh, at, at even at home they can't fall down 14 nothing to, to this Packers team and to Aaron Rodgers that that just can't happen um and I, I don't foresee that happening given the the amount of players that appear to be coming back but Mixon's absence will definitely be be noted and I you know I guess I would like to see you know you it's kind of a weird thing. You get, you may not have Mixon, but it looks like you're going to have Higgins back. And Higgins does a lot of, you know, middle of the field work and, and, you know, does a lot of different things to help you out in the passing offense. So maybe, you know, that is, is a little bit of a trade-off based on what we've seen the past couple of, of weeks. I, I do think that maybe, as you said in your state, your case last week, uh, that, you know, this is probably the week that, especially what we've seen from Joe Burrow and company late in these games, this may be the week that we we see that conservative approach on offense kind of start to fade away a little bit, um, and and maybe by necessity because Mixon could be out of the lineup. You're coming off an emotional, you know, season impacting win at home on on extended rest. You have your number two or number one in some cases receiver back from a shoulder injury. You're fully healthy on offense aside from your running back. 
and the defense you're going up against is 20th in expected points added allowed. Uh, I believe 19th in success rate allowed and 20th or yeah, uh, 20th in passing DVOA allowed on defense. Like this is a situation where it all kind of aligns up and I understand the philosophy of wanting to be physical early in the game. But if you can have more success throwing the ball compared to running the ball with your backup, there's no reason why that shouldn't be the game plan um, out of the gate. And if you're able to get a lead, I mean that then you can utilize that control running running game late later in the game you know when you if you potentially have a lead or keep it close i mean you're able to do that um you know if you're able to move the ball through the air or you know a a number of different ways but look what what would a win mean i I think we know based on aaron Rodgers, green bay the legacy there and they're three and one it's just a little bit of a different mindset based on expectations with this Bengals team. And now they had a, a near ideal month of September or near ideal start to their season being three and one and almost four and oh, what, what does a potential win here mean for the Bengals as they get to four and one beating Aaron Rodgers and uh, you know, obviously other tough games coming down the pike, but from a confidence standpoint, from what it, how it energizes the fan base, all that kind of stuff. What would a win mean you think for the Bengals here? I think it just validates what they feel in the side of the locker room right now. They are obviously confident for very righteous reasons, but you go on the internet, you go to ESPN power rankings, you go to the athletic power rankings. Both of them have the Bengals at 16. No other team below them has the same record as them. They are the worst ranked team above 500 right now. like in, just with the consensus power rankings, you know, and rightfully so. Like they've come from behind to beat a bad Jacksonville Jaguars team at home. They lost to a terrible Bears team at the time when they were they went when they weren't starting Justin Fields, and when Justin Fields played, he was awful. And they had to beat the Minnesota Vikings at overtime at home. No one outside of Cincinnati believes that this team is truly for real just yet. But regardless of at home or away, if you beat Aaron Rodgers and how that offense is playing right now, regardless of the circumstances that validates a lot of what you saw the first uh, four weeks of the season being four and one in an AFC North where there's two other teams who are also three and one right now. Like that's huge. And then you enter the next week against a very beatable Detroit Lions team on the road. They have the chance here to springboard this fast start into a fast middle of the season right now, because this is where the schedule gets really tough. And I know I just mentioned the Lions game, but after that, I believe they play the Ravens. They they play the Browns soon after that. They play potentially a surging Jets team. So it's going to be a lot of tough games here, and it, it all gets kind of downhill from here, and this is kind of where it all starts. Yeah, it, I mean, it's not – if the Bengals lose this one, it's not going to, you know, destroy their playoff chances or anything like that. But I think we all kind of feel that this is a barometer game, especially for the Bengals. I mean, I think – the Packers, we we kind of assumed, even with the Aaron Rodgers drama, we kind of assumed that this is kind of where they would be in one form or another, three and one atop their division and looking like they're they're cruising through things. And, you know, now this is kind of a, a like I said, a barometer game for the Bengals. What What's the biggest key or what are the biggest keys or key players to you on the Bengals side of things this week uh, as they host the Packers? I want to see if CJ Zoma can keep this hot streak alive. Like that, that, that was what I was yeah. going to watch for in that game. Like with, with Higgins out on a short week, I know the Jaguars were kind of um, prone to being picked on by tight ends. Like how, when was he going to get involved with the offense with Higgins out? Like, and 
he obviously proves uh, that to be the case with two touchdowns and 95 yards. Apparently, the Packers aren't too good at defending tight ends of their own. Does he stay in the offense's plans, or does things kind of go back to how it was in the first th- uh, two weeks when you had both Higgins and Chase out out wide with Boyd in, in the slot? I know that the Bengals would want to prevent this from being a shootout with both teams in the 30s, but that might just be the case. Regardless of how good the Bengals defense is, that's also kind of still in a wait-and-see situation. Like, there's no reason. Like, if that game was on Sunday instead of Thursday, maybe the defense looks a little bit better. But playing on short rest, like, the defense kind of got exposed against the Jaguars, who had probably the best offensive line that they faced all season. And Trevor Lawrence definitely has the livest arm that they faced all year. Well, no arm is livelier in the NFL, maybe aside from Patrick Mahomes than Aaron Rodgers. And he's going to test the entirety of 11 players on that defense, even when they're at full strength now. So they're going to have to score points. And, you know, I, it's it's up to Chase to keep taking the top off of defenses. It's up to Higgins to kind of reacclimate himself in the offense. And it's up to Zach Taylor himself to kind of steer away from this run centric early down mindset without your running back there adjust and utilize the strengths that you have. Joe Burrow showed you the strengths of this offense in the second half against a bad Jaguars defense. That is what has to happen again against the Packers. I'm interested kind of in, in what you said there. I'm interested to see how the, the wide receiver situation plays out for the Bengals. If Higgins does indeed return, is there going to be someone that, you know, week one, it was kind of Tyler Boyd was, was a little bit of a, of a forgotten guy. Chase had the big plays and that, that kind of continued into week two until Higgins got, um, got injured. And then Boyd became a real focal point was the team leader and catches and in, in receiving yards last week against the Jaguars. So now if you add Higgins back in, what does that look like? Not only from a, you know, possible negative reaction to stats with, with these wide receivers, but also positive in, in terms of how, Burrow's going to be able to spread the ball around, especially if there is no Joe Mixon in, in, in the lineup. So that's that's something I think uh, I, I'd be interested in seeing there. T. Higgins obviously coming back is a is a big weapon. What do you what do you predict here in terms of what's happening? What do you what do you see score wise in this one? I haven't been very adventurous with my predictions. I've mainly just gone with like the, just the general expectation, and that would lead me to believe that the Packers barely win this game. But I think with the, the situations and the issues that the Packers are dealing with, specifically with injuries, they have a battered offensive line. They're playing without their best defensive player in Jair Alexander. Like J- Jamar Chase has a great matchup. So will T Higgins. Like this should be a situation where Joe Burrow and that offense can score a lot of points. And Aaron Rodgers historically does not play his cleanest games against the Bengals. And this is one of the better defenses that the Bengals have had in recent years. A lot of things are pointing to the Bengals kind of surprising the nation this week and i, I kind of feel like that's where i want to lean so i'm going to say the Bengals barely squeak out a win again at home i don't know if it'll come down to the last second like it has in the first four weeks in the in the first two home games but i'm going to say they barely squeak out a win like 20 like 28 to 27 wow wow okay i i i'm feeling you i there are a lot of things that are pulling me in the same direction there, but as of now, I just think that um, this is there still needs to be a little bit more growth to be shown, and maybe they do it, and maybe they, uh, you know, end up surprising a lot of people because a lot of outlets do not have the Bengals winning this game. I don't, I, I haven't really seen any, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think I would say maybe 31 27 green Bay would not surprise me if the Bengals were as they get healthy. Um, 
if the Bengals were to pull off an upset here or an upset in the in the eyes of many. But uh, as of now, I just I'm kind of like, well, I just think we know who the Packers are at this point in time, even with the A-Rod drama. We've, we've got some form of an idea of who the Bengals are, but uh, you know, these are, these are the game. I feel like we could say this every week, but these are the types of games that if they are going to make the playoffs, if they're going to make deep runs into the playoffs, win their division, all that kind of stuff, you got to start winning these games against the big boys and the big quarterbacks. So um, I think they can, I, I'm not wholly confident in that at this point, but uh, you know, they've, they've proven, they've proven they can win all kinds of different games <laughs> this year already. Here's a prediction that I'm more confident in. If the Bengals have a lead of eight or less and Aaron Rodgers has the ball with more than 20 seconds left on the clock, the Bengals lose. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And and maybe by Hail Mary. Isn't he kind of one of the... Maybe the by Hail, two. Maybe yeah, by two Hail Mary Mary's, team you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's... Uh, we've had a, a jam-packed episode. And by the way, we've got more coming up this week. We've got some fantasy football stuff coming up. And then we've got... Listener questions live on Friday with Malik Wright joining us uh, from the Right Way Sports Network. Excited to have him joining us. That'll be on Friday afternoon. So stoked on that one here. John, let's drop the mic and, and get on out of here. Yeah, I was very happy to talk to Malik on this program. I'm surprised that I met Malik before we had him on this program. But Malik was one of the many people that I um, met for the first time on Wednesday and Thursday, whether it was at the Flying Pig on Wednesday night with the Locked On uh, meet and greet or Thursday before that historic Thursday night game at Bengal Jim's tailgate. Anyone that I met for the first time or saw for the first time since COVID happened, uh, thank you so much for coming up to me and interacting with me and you know expressing your love for the show. I know a lot of you were wondering where my co-host was. Well, he was stuck out in Los Angeles, so I re- happily represented OBI for for both of those occasions so any anyone listening out there who who saw me and 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 met me and and, and talked with me i i just want to say i greatly appreciate um your support and and your willingness to you know listen to us and digest our content it was it was awesome meeting and, and interacting with all of you and i can't wait to do it again soon because it, ju- it should definitely be more of a regular occasion yeah that's awesome man that's awesome to hear that people um, like what we're doing. And I, I appreciate the kind words. I wish I was there. Uh, I was hoping I could have uh, could have made it happen. But um, twice from SoCal out in Cincinnati in a matter of, you know, three weeks was a little was a little difficult for me to be able to swing that. But I was I, I really wanted to make that happen. I'm hopeful I can get to another home game there soon. And of course, you know, we can we can hang out. I, I'm also hopeful that, uh, you know, I, I wanted when I went out for week one, I was hoping to be able to um, you know, plan some sort of little, whether it's informal or formal get together type of thing with, with people, but I just, you know, wasn't there long enough, that sort of thing. So didn't make that happen, but maybe sometime in the future as well. But it sounds like everybody did a lot of cool things at meetups, tailgates, and of course the game itself. Uh, I, 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 asked drew garrison who joined us on the water cooler chat yesterday about his experience at the game and uh it sounded like that ring of honor thing was was really cool i said you know i bet it's the first time ever at paul brown stadium at halftime that nobody went to the bathroom right i mean it was just everybody was probably (laughs) locked into their seats so it seemed like a really cool thing yeah man um i'm just glad that they didn't crap the bed at the end because there would have been a lot of sad playing rides home (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, we joked about that before we took the air. I was like, oh man, if that happened with this whole big thing that was planned, that would have that would have stunk <laughs> a lot of people. The only thing I really have just to to kind of add on to that, we're gonna be getting out. We have um I know we we teased it when we did the charity fest uh, a handful of weeks ago, but we're gonna have some prizes given out to some folks here. So we'll be announcing those in the very near future. We've got a uh, you know, a, like I said, a handful of prize packs and stuff for those who donated to the uh, charity fest. And and we were able to get quite a bit of money for three charities represented for the enshrinees in the ring of honor. So uh, very cool. And thank you again to everybody who donated there, John, uh, have a good rest of the week. We'll see you Friday with Malik, Wright, But um, have a good rest of your week, dude. Yeah, you too. I'll talk to you Friday. All right. Take it easy, everybody. And again, just a reminder, get this show on our YouTube channel or your favorite audio streamer, subscribe, leave a review, like, all that good stuff, and we'll see you next time. Thanks.